0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Can we journey through the word of the Lord in the book of Genesis chapter 11? We want to welcome the Wolf family again today and and, uh, certainly the Peterson family. We're happy to have you with us this morning and again in the house of the Lord. We are very, very thankful for the presence of God. Thank you for being here with us this morning. I just want the Lord to help us to uh, walk in his will, walk in his will. Let me just say a, a couple of things real real quick here. Most of you, if not all of you, know that our men's conference has been canceled and um, refunds will be given if you'll just give us if you'll just be patient with that process we're doing our very best whether you registered through our church here some I know registered directly through the men's uh, ministry men's conference website and they are working diligently um, but as you well know you're, you're not the only one in that pipeline and so they're working diligently to make sure this is all taken care of and let's just ask the Lord to touch um, the leaders of our nation and uh, the leaders of our state. We're admonished to pray for them. We are admonished to pray for them anyway, and I certainly hope that we do, but we certainly want to pray for them in times like this that the Lord will help us to be mindful of those very things. I want to remind you again that on March the 28th at 10 a.m. at the church in Madison, uh, we're going to be having a special prayer for them and their church, and we're going to be praying at the church, and then we're going to be uh, maybe some walking or some driving through the city, and we're just going to be praying and asking the Lord to uh, give them divine favor there. In the next phase of the, the work there for that church, and we're excited about that, and looking forward to what the Lord is going to do. Amen. I really trust that God is going to do something throughout that city, and we appreciate the seed that has already been planted and the labor that has already gone forth. I respect your standing. The book of Genesis 11 and 27, the Bible says, Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wise. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai and the name of Nahor's wife, Mickel, uh, Milcah, I'm sorry, and the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Isaac. But Sarah was barren and had no child. And Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205, and Terah died in Haran. And from this, I want to speak to you today from this thought, don't stop here. Don't stop here. If you're familiar with this story, you probably are a little bit ahead of me in your mind But for the sake of those who may not know the story, I want to tell the story today. And let's ask the Lord to help us to realize that we can't just get to a certain point of comfort and ease and say this is good enough. But I believe the Lord has brought you here even maybe physically today to remind you that where you are spiritually is not enough. Don't stop where you are. God has you on a journey, a very specific journey Amen. Can we just pray over the word of the Lord? I love you today, and I ask you this morning, God, to help my mind and my heart to be alert, sensitive to your spirit and unction. And I pray, O Lord, that your power and presence will be evident here. Lord, even more so than it is now, speak the word of truth to our heart and let the power of the Holy Ghost minister to us and through us. In the name of the Lord, we pray. Amen. And you can be seated in the fear of the Lord. If we were to go back in our mind, go back in time, I think it's safe to say that some of our initial first steps of faith were not necessarily giant steps of faith. We just kind of launched out on what we felt in our heart. I'm talking about when we first come to the Lord and Maybe you have an incident you could share or something that would come to your mind. And it was a leap of faith or maybe not a leap of faith. might have just been a step of faith or even in some cases a shuffle of faith. But we nevertheless felt an unction from the Lord and we moved out on that. Maybe it wasn't earth shattering. But we have to exercise our faith. At some point we have to exercise what we feel or that faith will never grow. It doesn't always turn out as planned. (laughs) We all have perhaps things that we thought were going to work out this way, but it just didn't quite work out that way. But aren't you glad that those disappointing moments didn't freeze you or paralyze you, but you just kept moving forward. I've shared this before. It's a true story. When I was just a very young boy, my My mom and dad allowed me to have some chickens. I was real young. One of our little hens hatched out some eggs and one of the chicks that was born was not healthy. And so since I was raised in a faith-filled family and a family and a church that taught divine healing, I just knew the way one place to go and that was to the Lord. So I took that little chick in my hands and I walked into the home in our utility room. We had a big chest-type freezer. I set that chick up on that freezer I laid hands on that little chick and began to pray a prayer of faith that God would heal it because I believe that brother Wayne Williams you you taught on that this morning and I believe that God in the most simple of things can honor our faith when I removed my hand from that chick expecting it to see it uh, all was well that chick was dead (laughs) it's safe to say it didn't turn out as planned and uh, I don't want to make you uneasy about the next time I'm praying for you, but I just, <laughs> in the interest of full disclosure, I want to let you know my history. <laughs> but I am thankful that even though my young faith was bruised, that somehow I just kept pressing on. Now, we want to condemn Abram in this particular story for not fully obeying the Lord, for not leaving his family and moving out of uruk and And completely severing all ties as God had commanded him. But it may be that Abram was just exercising young faith. And he was doing the best that he could under the circumstances. I know that in our mind we think if the Lord just spoke to us to do something today. That we would just salute him and say yes sir and off we would go. But sometimes it's a little more complicated than that. Especially in our flesh. It may have been that he was just trying his best to do what he thought was right. According to scripture, we know that Abraham or Abram took his father and his, and his nephew Lot with him and, and left of Ur of Chaldees. And, and in addition to that, he stayed at Haran until his father died. You can read all of that as we did in our text today toward the end of chapter 11. However, the law of the harvest is true for one and it's true for all. That whatever you sow, that is what you're going to reap. It doesn't always have to be a negative thing. Certainly, I believe that we have all sown positive things and we have reaped the result and the reward of those positive things. But I will tell you this, that whatever you bring with you from where God is trying to take you from will likely cause you some problems. Along the way. And it seems that it was Terah, Abram's father, that kept them from fully obeying the Lord, at least in part. If you know anything about this story, then you certainly know that, that Lot, he was also among these people, and Lot certainly created some serious problems, or what had the potential to be serious problems for Abraham. He created serious, even more serious problems for himself. These two finally had to agree to part ways. And, and, uh, and, and all of that was because God was just trying to correct a situation. And so a life of faith, I believe, demands an absolute separation from that that is not the will of God or that that is evil. And it also requires us to have a total devotion to that that is holy. I've often said, and we'll repeat it again today, that God never asks us to come out of something that he's not trying to lead us into something else. And so often we come out of something, but we fail to be led in to the next dimension or the next level of what God is wanting to do in our life. And so we find people that let go of some things and never yet wholly embrace other things. And it's there that the devil has a playground. And so I will tell you today that if you have ever gotten part of the way with the Lord and stopped and felt that frustration. That frustration is due in part to the fact that you are not exactly where God is trying to take you. Amen. As you study the life of Abraham, we can see that Abraham was certainly at times tempted to compromise. As a matter of fact, we can even find plainly recorded for us in Scripture moments that he did. We should never doubt that God will not test us to try our faith and to build our faith. And God will test us in order to bring out the very best in us. Abraham was certainly later in his life tested. And there was a a very powerful conversation that happened at the end of that because when, or at least uh, an uh, an acknowledgement that happened at the end of that because the Lord understood for sure, now I know, Now I know which side of the line that you stand on. Now I know where you have staked your future. Amen. We see those times. God is going to test us in order to bring out the very best. We we walk by faith and we learn how to trust him. We learn how to trust him, I think, through various uh, vehicles. We certainly have his word, that word that was taught on this morning, taught from today. That word of God, we trust in his word. That word holds us. I found out a long time ago that it was not just a book that my parents owned. It was not just a book that occupied a place on the coffee table. It was not just a book that they carried back and forth to church or bought me as a child. But it was a book filled with promises that were even yay and amen for me. We learn to trust God from his character. We watch his unwavering steps We watch his uncompromising ways and we learn to trust him. We learn to trust God because we walk in his will. We follow his path and understand that he indeed will keep us against all odds. And we trust in his power. Not the power of the Lord just to make us feel better about ourselves, but the power of God to sustain us. We talk about prayer a whole lot. We exercise the right and the privilege of prayer even more but how many times have we all said how much we need prayer and we have felt in the in the disturbing seasons of our life that sustaining arm of prayer i spoke with a friend this week who are they are themselves facing some very serious things in their own life and we had committed to them to pray for them he called me the other day and i'm not suggesting that he was just talking about Our simple prayers, there are many people that are praying for them. But he said, you know, I just, I found it again refreshing to realize that I feel the power of God sustaining prayers. I just want to thank you. I want to thank you. It wasn't, uh, you know, sometimes we just need a human contact to thank. It was really the Lord that is sustaining them. But I'm thankful for the power of God. Now, that's certainly not to say that we don't need friends and that we don't need family or we don't need voices that are positive influences in our life. But it simply means that we have come to know the true source of our strength because people can let us down. Even people close to us can let us down. Even people that love us and that we love can let us down. But I know the source of my strength and I know where I can go and find hope in the time of trouble. Abraham discovered something powerful about God. He discovered all that all God really would, would take him through, he would sustain him through. Through it all, he was a sustaining God. He kept him. Not only did Abraham discover this, but others had to acknowledge the hand of God that were that was upon the life of Abraham. It would be far into the future, but one day the Lord would speak through Isaiah. And Isaiah would pen these words in Isaiah 52 and 51 and 2. He said, look unto Abraham your father and unto Sarah that bare you. For I have called him alone and blessed him and increased him. God had been good to Abraham. So good that another generation had to acknowledge that I have kept my hand and my favor upon this man. In our text, in Genesis 11 and 27 through 32, there are five individuals that are mentioned. Abraham and his wife, Sarah. Terah, Abraham's father. Nahor and Haran, Abraham's brothers. The Bible says, interestingly enough, in the first few verses of our text, somewhere along about verse 28, I think, that Haran died. And left his son Lot behind. It was God's purpose to call a man and his family, and from them he would build a, a, he would, from this man and from this wife, he would build a family. And from that family he would build a nation. And from that nation, God would bless, according to his word, all the nations of the earth. And so from start to finish, This was God's hand. Even in its embryonic stage, it was the hand of God from the very beginning. God's work of grace. Now, I don't use the word grace loosely here. Amen. Because when God called Abraham and Sarah, they belonged to a family that worshipped idols. As a matter of fact, his father was not just an idol worshiper, but his father was an idol maker entrenched in idolatry both in Ur of Chaldees and in Haran. These people worshiped the moon God. They were steeped in their tradition a long way from Jehovah. But according to Stephen in Acts chapter 7 and verse number 2, the Spirit says that the glory of the, the God of glory, rather. The God of glory appeared unto Abraham and called him to go into Canaan. That even in that most unlikely place, the spirit of the Lord and the God of glory would call him. Can I tell you that wherever you are today and wherever we find ourselves, that the God of glory can appear to us and we can receive instructions from him Abraham must have shared this message with his family and and told that he and Sarah were going to leave. He was supposed to take just his wife and depart and leave his family behind. However, it seems like from Scripture and what we read that everybody went with him except his brother Nahor. And of course, his brother that died, Haran. Amen. It appears that his father, Terah, believed and took somehow charge of this situation and his family and their travels. But it's also apparent from Scripture that Terah only had faith to go so far. It was just faith that would take them to a certain point. According to what I can find, he traveled for about 500 miles as far as the city of Haran. And he settled there, and he settled there until he died. We can all surmise as to why he stopped or why the caravan stopped. Maybe it was the well-watered plains of Haran. Maybe it caused him to look around and see where we are is so much better than where we're going to have to go. I'm not talking about the promised land necessarily Amen But he knew that the journey ahead Is going to be a great journey And it's going to be a trying journey In reality from Haran To where they needed to go Was going to be several hundred miles Of Arabian desert sand Before they could ever come to the place That God had promised them But I want to tell you today That no matter how well things are With us right here If we are not where God is trying trying to lead us. We're gonna stop and give birth to spiritual frustration. Amen, and it's not until our flesh can die. It's not until we can crucify flesh. I don't wanna deviate too far here, but I believe that that when Haran died, when the father died, that was the, represents the flesh of Abraham. Amen, he had to come to a place where his flesh could die, and his flesh could be buried before he could ever move again. Amen. It wasn't long before Lot finally left Abraham. And as you may well remember, it was Lot that settled down in that wicked city called Sodom. Among the many remarkable things about God's call to Abraham and Sarah was the fact that they were childless. Yet Abraham, by its very definition, or Abram, means exalted father. But he wasn't a father at all. He had no hope of being a father. They were the least likely candidates to have a family, the least likely candidates to build a nation. Therefore, they were the least likely candidates to have a nation that would bless all the nations of the world. God had made the most least likely couple in the world and titled and tagged them and bestowed upon them a blessing that must have seemed overwhelming but God's ways are not our ways. And the calling and the blessing, amen, of God to a barren couple, amen, the Lord was revealing the greatness of his power and the greatness of his might and of his glory. Now, I'm going to tell you today that God can call you from anywhere and use you to do anything. God can reach on the backside of absolute nowhere and lift you up and raise you up to impact those that you never thought you may Abram would later be named Abraham, which would be the father of many nations. Now, there is a real and present danger in only going part of the way with God. The Lord had called this family to leave where they were and go to a place that he was calling them. And for reasons that we may never fully understand, they came to Haran and stopped. I've mentioned a moment ago, perhaps due in part to the fact, the reality that this was the last civilian outpost before entering hundreds of miles of desert. Haran was located on a main caravan road that connected the cities of the east with Damascus and Egypt. And so this was not a random stop. This was a reality. Perhaps many people at least stopped here to refresh themselves and prepare themselves for the journey, but they did not take up citizenship there. It was considered to be a very strategic town and a very strategic location. In all fairness, in all fairness, It was a lot easier to stop here than it would be to forge forward. I believe that I can speak to people today that can relate to the fact that sometimes we reach a place spiritually, that we feel the calling of God trying to lead us out a little deeper, but we know it's going to come with a price. We know that it's going to come with a mountain to climb or perhaps a valley to walk through or our own personal desert We are reticent to say yes to God because why would we want to mess up a good thing? Let's just stay right here where we are. Amen. But I will tell you today that it is not worth being out of the will of God for us to just stand and sit rather in a place of ease. It is in these difficult times that we've got to crucify our flesh and surrender ourselves to the absolute of the absolute will of God. It seems apparent that Abraham was willing to settle down for a season, but he knew this is not Canaan. This is not the promise. This is not where God is trying to lead us. This is not the end all. This is not the cure all. But God is wanting to lead me to another place. Amen. He understood that. Thankfully, he was willing to posture himself to hear the voice of God again and do something about it this time. When we move from Haran to trust in the presence, this is when we position ourselves to truly receive the greater blessing from God. In Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 1, this is where Terah has already died. This is where the funeral has already taken place, and the Lord spoke to him again. But I want to point out something to you. In Genesis, in Genesis 12, and chapter 12 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of, the, out of thy country unto a land that I will show you. Amen. I'm going to believe that God was testing him again. If you'll move from this place, you've already come from Ur of Chaldees to Haran. That's a good thing. But if you'll move from here, I will show you something. But you read just a few more verses in verse number 7 and the Lord appeared unto Abram because now from verse number 1 to verse number 7, Abram has taken God at his word. They have packed their bags and their caravan is moving. Amen. In verse number 7, the Lord appeared unto Abraham. Hallelujah. He didn't just say anything to him. He appeared unto him this time and said unto thy seed will I give this land. If you will just stand here I'll let you see it but if you'll start moving I'll give this to you and to your children it'll be to the I'll give that rather to your children it'll be for generations to come can I tell you today if you don't have the courage to move from where you are to where God is leading for yourself I beg of you would you do it for the posterity of the gospel and would you do it for another generation's sake can I remind you today that we are where we are this morning you are where you are this morning brother Toby opened our service today and he was talking about in that prayer the reference to his parents who had I'm sure that's what you were talking about that had listened to the voice of God and he is where he is today because somebody said we where we are is not good enough we've got to move a little closer and so I want to just beg of you this morning if I could use that word and tell you that if you don't have the courage to move for yourself would you have the courage to move for a generation of people even though you may not meet them this side of eternity I say don't stop here, Amen. don't stop where you are, don't let this be the end all and don't let this be the period in the sentence of your story, let God be God, this promise was extended to Abram's seed beyond him when he walked in obedience to the Lord, now there are many things that can cause us to stop along the way. Things that are real. Things like fear. Things like doubt. Things like discouragement. I hope you're not so sanctified this morning that you can, cannot admit that there have been times you've been fearful. There have been times that you have doubted. And there have been times you've been discouraged. Amen. You probably have a longer list than that, but we'll just we'll just stop it there. How about that? Amen. We do battle these issues. We do face these things from time to time because we're woven into a clay pot. We have a great treasure, but it is in a very, very earthen vessel. Amen. It has been said that the most repeated that, that the most repeated phrase in all the word of God is don't be afraid. Now, some variation of this. Don't be afraid. Some variation of this phrase is mentioned over 350 times in the word of God. We are familiar with some of them, but maybe not all 350 of them. But God said to Gideon when he was calling this common man to lead Israel to an extraordinary victory. He said to this common man, don't be afraid. God said to Jeremiah when he was calling him to be a prophet to the nations, Jeremiah said, I'm just a child. I I can't do this. And, And the Lord took him and had an angel to take a coal of fire from off the altar and touch his lips and rebuke him in a fashion and say, say no more that you're just a child. Just quit discounting what God can do. And again and again and again we hear the voice of God and we see the hand of God that touches life after life after life, amen, that says don't be afraid. Jesus told his disciples don't be afraid in the book of Philippians the great apostle Paul said be anxious for nothing some variation of this all throughout scripture from the old testament throughout the new don't be afraid can I tell you today don't be afraid don't stop here and don't be afraid to move to the next level and let God prove that he can cover you it was never God's will for man to be fearful as a matter of fact. In fact, it wasn't even until the introduction of sin that fear became even an issue or a problem for mankind. In Genesis 3, when Adam committed sin, a new word was introduced into his vocabulary, a word that just a few moments ago or yesterday had never been used in speaking to God. When God was looking for him in the cool of the day, this was Adam's response. I heard thy voice in the garden and I was. Was afraid. A brand new word because of a brand new issue of sin. Mankind now struggles with fear, but we hold on to hope and we hold on to passages of scripture like first John chapter 4 and verse number 18 that says perfect love casts out fear. Fear is not only common to people in general, but fear can even be common among believers. After calling down fire from heaven, we find this great man called Elijah. Amen, we find this great man, Elijah, amen, that has done the unthinkable. He has met 450 prophets of Baal. He has challenged them to prove, let the God that is really God answer by fire. Let the God who is really God, let him answer by fire. He let all of the prophets of Baal do their thing. He let them and watched them panic. He mocked them when their God would not answer. Maybe he's out to lunch. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe it's this day off. Amen. Wherever, where is your God? And then when when it came time not only did he just rebuild the altar that had been broken but he dug trenches and he filled it up with water and he said we're going to let God that's God answer by fire and God does the unimaginable a man that had, that had stepped out on such faith and God honored that faith and yet in just a few verses if you keep reading I'm telling you the confetti is barely swept off of the floor until Elijah finds himself running out of fear because of Jezebel that had threatened to take his life. And so I will tell you today that if Elijah can get trapped in the snare of fear, who am I and who are you to think that we could not get snared in that and that is the very reason we see so many admonitions in scripture that says don't be afraid don't be anxious when the angel of the Lord come along says sir what are you doing what are you doing here you need to bind on your sandals you're not finished amen the last chapter of your life has not been written this is not over for you amen God has something wonderful in, in store for you but I pray oh Lord help us when we find ourselves under that proverb juniper tree when we find ourselves in the shade of fear saying we're just going to disengage and disconnect we need an angel we need a holy visitation to say come on and bind on your shoes We've we've got some miles to go before us amen sadly fear can even lead to sin if we go back and look even in the life of Abraham fear caused him to lie about his wife he was afraid the egyptians would take her and kill him and and you know if we just want to look at that in human terms <laughs> it was a fair thing right if we're just going to let's just take god off the table for just a moment and let's look at this in human terms we could really understand if we just look at it logically why he made that decision Many people are no longer progressing spiritually because they are afraid. Afraid of what people will think. Afraid of what people, and they'll think. Afraid of what people will say, and they'll say. (laughs) Afraid of what people will do, and they'll do. But if you live in fear of all of those things, you'll never come to fruition in full to what God is calling us to. Fear has the ability to immobilize us spiritually. It happened to the family at the center of our story today. They came so far and then they stopped. To fear is ultimately to not trust God. And for that reason Satan always seeks to draw people in to the spirit of fear. And understand me well. I use that statement Accurately. Fear is not an emotion. Fear is a spirit. Amen. Fear, doubt, and discouragement are often rooted in a wrong focus. Kind of like Simon Peter when he stepped out of the boat. Brother Williams mentioned that again this morning. And he stopped when he looked at the wind and the waves. When he looked at the circumstances. It was then that fear got a hold of his life. It was then that he began to sink. Amen, commonly we do the same thing. We launch out, and then all of a sudden we ask ourselves, what in the world was I thinking? What was I thinking? We see problems and difficulties and deadlines. We see all that instead of the Lord, and therefore we begin to sink. Since fear and doubt and discouragement often come from the wrong focus, then the answer to that, to turn around, would certainly be to focus on the right things. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. We gain this focus on the Lord as our source of strength as we prioritize our relationship with him. And when we do that, peace starts coming back in our heart, coming back in our home, coming back in our marriage, our family. Can I get a witness? (laughs) Amen. Peace. I'm going to ask you to stand, if you will, and our musicians to come. I want to rewind this message, and I want to go all the way back to the beginning because it's here that I want to draw this to a conclusion, if the Lord will help me. In Genesis 11 and 28, the Bible says that we're looking at the lineage of. Abraham's father and it says of Abraham's father that he lost a son by the name of Haran and if you're here today and you've lost a child then you above anyone else can truly understand the magnitude of that pain And so as they began their exodus journey from the land of Ur of Chaldees this is when they came to Haran and dwelt there. Now he lost a son named Haran and then they came to Haran and dwelt there. And so from that statement I pose this question. Is it possible that Abram's father stopped in Haran because this was the place of his greatest sorrow? If so, in the place of his greatest sorrow, he failed to experience the place of his greatest promise. Amen. I ask you today a question that only you can answer. Is the place of your greatest sorrow the place that's holding you hostage? Is that where you stopped? The place of your greatest heartache is that where you stopped trusting God and growing in God? It doesn't have to be the loss of a loved one. It could be just the place of your greatest sorrow. Maybe it was a life-changing thing that happened to you and it altered the course of your life. And perhaps you see yourself in a different trajectory today. You see yourself on a different road, a different path. And, and in your mind right now, you can tell me or tell others the very day, the very date, perhaps the very time of your greatest sorrow. And it's there that the enemy has us bound. And we just kept living for the Lord, but we stopped pursuing the promise I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm talking about here today And so is there a place of huge disappointment in your past That still has us bound And we feel because of this sorrow, this hurt, this loss This has given me another identity An identity that I did not want And because of that you have decided from that experience That this is just close enough This is far enough And I will dwell here It would be the enemy's pleasure, you see, to keep us locked up in yesterday's failure and in yesterday's pain, so much so that we never step into what God is really wanting to do in our life. Amen. Yes, where you are may be better than where you've been, but that's not what we're talking about. Maybe where you are today is better than where you were five years ago or ten years ago or just a few days ago, but that's not what we're talking about. I'm asking you today, are we really experiencing the full measure of what God is calling us to? So the great challenge that lies before us today is not to stop short of what God is wanting to do with us individually or as a family or as a church. Amen. I'm thankful for the wonderful services that we have. I'm thankful for the spirit of worship and the love for the word of God. I'm thankful for what I feel like are genuine friendships that we have and relationships in this church. But can I tell you, I do not believe that we are at our stopping point. How easy it would be to say, well, you know, everything's well. We're having good church. Everything's fine. Don't, Don't keep challenging us and shaking us and... Why don't we just settle? But when we settle, we settle for less than what God is really wanting to give birth to in our lives. I'm thankful for people that kept marching. Some years, a few years ago now, I guess maybe about seven years ago, my wife and I were privileged to go out to the west coast and and uh, into the northwest. And... Um, we saw several things about um, Lewis and Clark, the trail that was cut. And we were just standing there in many places along in that, during that time away and looking at unexplainable beauty. If you've been to the Northwest, you know what I'm talking about. those when they stepped off the Mayflower found a new land. Life better than they ever imagined. But somebody had the spirit of adventure. If you've ever driven out that way, you understand that between the East Coast and the West Coast, in the Midwest, there's some very unattractive land very rough land we would ride through those mountains and we would listen as our car kind of bogged down to climb those mountains thinking somebody before us did this on a horse you know much about history that sometimes they had to dismantle their wagons and pull them up mountains and lower them down the other side somebody went to a lot of trouble For us to be able to stand and say, wow. They went through a lot of nothing to get to something. They just refused to stop because they kept saying, I wonder what's over there. I know this is nice, but I wonder what's over there. Could the Lord touch us with a spirit of adventure today? To say, God, don't let us be bound by things, but let us be free. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Can we do it? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. My God, help us to not make camp too soon.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the Media Ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.